For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Offscript, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on that Sunday sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. Reagan and I both preached this week. Mm-hmm. I was in the sanctuary doing traditional. She was in modern, doing modern. Yep. The middle of our stewardship season, stewardship sermon series, this time on serving others. Although, you snuck another one in there. Another text in there. I did. Yeah. That was a sneaky, was a sneaky one. An unauthorized text. But yeah. it was a good one. I mean, it was for Mark and it was, you know, relevant. Yeah. So it was right before. I felt like I could do that. It's fine. <laughs> you have the authority of the preacher. Right. Um, yeah. So yesterday was good. I, yeah. I feel, listen, I like stewardship se- uh, season. I know that sounds weird. A lot of preachers don't. I think it's important. And I think that we have a really great, um, Mission statement here at Christ United. I'm just, I'm not just saying that because mm-hmm. I'm on staff, but I, I think it's, uh, I think it's really an effective summary of what we're all about. And so serving others is a big deal for us around here. So it's easy to talk about it. Yeah. And then the Cowboys won yesterday. Cowboys won. I mean, they shouldn't have. What? I mean, they Listen, did not, they did not play why well. To pick fights. I'm just saying they got, were a little sure of themselves in the beginning. They threw for more yards than any. They were Any sl- quarterback in the Bill Belichick era. They were sloppy. Oh, my goodness. They Listen. were. <laughs> Listen, y'all. <laughs> How'd your college team do this weekend? I don't even know if they have a team. <laughs> so there it is. My college team was on a bye. Our high school team was on a bye. Oh. So it was all about the Cowboys. You're not going to rain on our parade. That was a great win. Overtime, very thrilling. And so the way it works on Sundays, you know, it's pretty busy in the Dowd household on Sundays. Yeah, your day was real busy yesterday. Super busy. So we didn't get home until 7. Well, not everyone was not home together until Max got home from um, youth. They run loaded pumpkins and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Whitney was with him. I was with Sam. So we didn't start watching the Cowboys game until 7.15. Oh, gosh. And it ended up going to overtime. Yeah. So we the boys didn't get to bed till like 10.30 last night. But it was worth it. Okay. Go Cowboys. Super Bowl bound. Super Bowl or bust. Yeah, they are actually. Ashley's nodding along. She's a big Cowboys fan over there. We taught Huge. Jude. We taught Jude how to say a uh, coop. Yes. <laughs> so he that's says excellent. That. He goes, that, Sam said he, <laughs> Cooper can never be booed anywhere because it all sounds like a I know. cheering for him. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Okay. What else in sports talk radio today? <laughs> what else can we talk about? Baseball, playoff baseball. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So we're talking about serving others. And so I have some first just kind of general questions and then mm-hmm. some rapid fire questions before we get. Um, do you remember the first service project you ever participated in? So do you mean as an adult, like as a Methodist? Wait, give me some. No, uh, I think like as a kid. Ever? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, well, the first, like the thing that comes to mind is we organized, it sounds really crazy, but for National Honor Society in high school, we organized a food drive, which had never really been done at our high school, which seems crazy in hmm. retrospect, but this is the late eighties, you know, cans had just been invented. Right. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I remember first. And then, you know, we got to deliver that food to uh, a local food bank or whatever. So did a similar kind of thing in college. The first one in as a Methodist, and when Whitney and I started going back to church at Arapahoe, a little mm-hmm. neighborhood church down the road, 
uh, was that it was actually it was a it was a Saturday in September. It was the day of the Notre Dame Purdue game, which was a big deal because that's my alma mater and Whitney's alma mater. Right. And uh, Arapahoe was um, had volunteered to support uh, Hamilton Park United Methodist Church it was hosting something for uh, an organization called JFON, Justice for Our Neighbors. So it's uh, people like immigration lawyers helping people with their immigration status. And we uh, provided child care for that. And so Whit and I went and hang, hung out with some kids um, during the, well, like the lawyers were meeting with mm-hmm. parents or whatever. That was pretty, pretty memorable. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Um, I'm trying to think. The first service project, probably um, the church camp that I went to as a kid, there was a there was like a pre-week where you could come and help get the camp like prepped and ready for the campers. And so I did that every year. Um, and then my first like big service project, like as an adult, I don't know, at Lover's Lane, we did quite a few things. Um, yeah, we did like food bank. We did this big thing called everybody's Christmas. <laughs> we would do it usually on December 23rd and, uh, we'd invite people from, um, shelters or like, um, other, like in between housing and all of that and do this big service and serve them this big dinner and give them coats and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It was good. There are many ways to serve. Yes, there are many ways to love God. Yes. Okay. So you've, you started off your sermon by talking just about a few of our serving others <laughs> right. opportunities because there's so many, we've both seen Excel spreadsheet it's pages and pages <laughs> yeah. when you look at it yeah, yeah and i was trying to hit the ones that were like immediate right yeah yeah um so you first talk about volt which remind people what volt stands for vision of light team okay and when did volt actually officially begin so i was talking to them last week about that and um they were saying like around 2008 okay 2009 something like that yeah uh and i don't know what their first trip was okay get the sense that maybe it was to Panama or Guatemala or something like that. Okay. But Cameroon is a, is a, yeah, is so, a big memory okay. in the history of that. So when did that program. happen, Cameroon? Oh, gosh. Before I got here. Okay. So I'm not sure. But it, was, it wasn't their first trip. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Don't get me to lie. All right. I'm not sure. But there's like a almost like a permanent clinic there, isn't there now? Uh-huh. Yeah. So what they established continues to go. Yeah, yeah. And that's an eyeglass ministry. Yes. Uh, which is amazing. Like your dad's an optometrist yeah. or ophthalmologist? Uh, optometrist. Optometrist. So, I mean, that's a life-changing thing. It is. You could not see clearly before and now you mm-hmm. can. It's an it's a really it's a uniquely incredible <laughs> ministry. Yeah. And they're super committed uh long-term volunteers to that ministry. Mm-hmm. Of course, they always need folks. You know, they always want to train somebody new. Right. Um, they had planned to go to Oklahoma City last week. Uh, but then pandemic stuff, I, I think maybe Oklahoma, um, like it's a, you're very close face to face when you're fitting somebody for eyeglasses. Yes. And so they decided to, to do some kind of, um, maintenance work here. Yeah. So that's why I just happened to be able to get a, a picture of their, I mean, there's thousands and thousands, thousands of, of eyeglasses. Glasses. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great, um, uh, ministry. Um, okay. You talked about Thanksgiving basket. So important question. Best yeah. thing that is put in our Thanksgiving basket. Yeah. Think? Now are you mean, so is this in the genre of what's the best Thanksgiving food? <laughs> well, what do you think is the best thing that we put in the baskets and then what's your favorite Thanksgiving <laughs> dish? Um, well, I mean, I guess, is it a voucher for the turkeys? Is that the way we do that? 
they get actual actual turkey. Yeah, we have a big delivery that comes the day of the assembly, and wow. we put out these giant tarps, huh. and all the stuff gets organized, and the turkeys get put down, Whoa. and everything. Well, so the turkeys for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what? what the, yeah, of course. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people like could take or leave turkey. Yeah, I'm anti-turkey. Whoa. Okay. Now listen. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think we need to do as we get closer to Thanksgiving a whole, oh yeah, a whole little conversation about Thanksgiving food. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a whole kind of a whole separate topic because I got I got opinions about turkey as well. Mm-hmm. Me and but you in are terms crossways, of, huh? We're crossways on a lot of things when it comes to Thanksgiving. You I and I, yeah, yeah. Well, do you like the canned cranberries? That's I, me. I do. Yeah, she likes that. Can't. I like the jelly, also. not like trash. That is one thousand <laughs> percent trash. See? I love green bean casserole. You might remember. Yeah, that. that's right. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to put that. cheddar in it. Oh God! Oh yeah. Jeez Louise. Okay, so that's a whole separate conversation. It so is. Uh, Thanksgiving. So the turkeys, I would say, best thing in the Thanksgiving basket, and um, canned cranberries. Did we put canned cranberries in there? I don't think I saw that on the list. I don't think so. I think. So I think, I think but it's it should all good. be. I think everything we put in the Thanksgiving baskets are good. Yeah. How about that? Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. Okay, you talked about men's service group, and so. If the men's service group was to come to your house, what would they help you with? Well, Should, I call, yeah. Should I call uh, Whitney? Should I call Whitney? There's a long list. <laughs> Listen, if, if, in terms of like uh, handy projects around the house, if Whitney doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. I'm, okay. I, like I'm, this is one of my big character defects that I do not like. Okay. In any way, projects around the house. I mean, I'll do them. Yeah. If, you know, if she'll tell me exactly what I need to do. Um, but like just right now, uh, well, so I think the thing we so this i don't want to get down a rabbit hole (laughs) (laughs) and there's probably some yard stuff that needs to be done and maybe we'll just go with that okay we need to move it like okay we've got a we've got a tree uh in the front of the house the the guy who owned the house before us loved trees he was like really into oak trees and we have these gorgeous oak trees in the front and the back but then we've got one in the um on the other side of the yard it's a big well for a tree that's going to have a really gorgeous unique oak of some kind because i also don't have a green thumb but in that same like right literally right next to that tree that's going to be a gorgeous tree is a crepe myrtle and they're like oh. like right next to one another and i think he had the crepe myrtle there until the other one got big enough mm-hmm. <laughs> the other one's big enough and now they're just kind of crowded in there so we need to move that to closer to the house where we lost a really gorgeous plant name of which I do not know mm-hmm. during the freeze. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to have to get done. I, I think I'm going to have to do it. But That's tricky when you're dealing with like moving plants. Yeah, you kind of need a backhoe for something like that. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's not a giant crepe myrtle. It's, you know, I, project's not my thing. <laughs> I like mowing the yard, edging the yard. Because mm-hmm. it's alone time? A little bit. Put my, okay. yeah, put my podcast in. Yeah, that sounds good. Yep. <laughs> Detail-oriented projects. I'm, all, I'm, I'm yep. good for that. But the ones where I have to like problem solve and use tools, not my jam. Not, okay. Um, what's the coolest project in recent history do you think the med service group has done? Well, I'm biased on this, but their remodel of the chapel is awesome. Yeah. Now, um, they do really important work with people who cannot do mm-hmm. the work for themselves. And uh, that's, you know, in terms of like priority, mm-hmm. those are higher priority. But their their work in the in the chapel is just fantastic. Yeah, so that's, yeah. A, that's a terrific group of guys. It is, it is. And if you haven't been to the chapel, you should come by and check it out. That's mm-hmm. quite pretty. Um, okay, and then you talked about PALS, the Plano Overnight Warming Station, yep. and that's fairly new, mm-hmm. right? Twenty eighteen, did... I think, is when it launched. Okay, that's an incredible ministry. So there's, you know, there there is a homelessness problem in Collin County. Mm-hmm. I don't think we often want to admit it, 
so we don't have like it's not a priority for the county mm-hmm. to solve that problem. But on the coldest nights of the year, there are several churches that that got together along with some business and civic organizations with, to their credit, the support of city council. I mean, it's not like we mm-hmm. went rogue or anything. Um, but I, I'm not sure exactly what the temperature requirement is, 35, 32. I mean, it's in that range. I think it's below freezing. Is it? Okay. Sustained below freezing. I so we, I think the housing is actually at Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And uh, we provide volunteers and resources to support that ministry. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. Yeah. Kathy Sweeney, who used to be on staff here, was a real, a real a pioneer of that. Yeah. Did a lot of the legwork for it, and we have super dedicated volunteers for that. Okay, so yeah, I mean, but, but that list—I mean, I just mean, that list—that partial, the very partial list—is indicative of this congregation's priorities, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. There, you know, there's um, obviously we're a large church with lots of resources in terms of you know, kind of interested people. I would mm-hmm. say uh, funding too, but interested people particularly, and uh, it's that's reflective of who we are. I mean, I, it's been said that Methodism is what Christianity looks like with its work clothes on, mm. <laughs> uh, and to. You know, to the extent that that's true, this congregation is absolutely an example of that. Yeah, that's why I wore my overalls today, because I'm ready to work. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. great. Are you doing what projects are you doing today? I'm not doing any projects, okay. but I just thought I'd throw that in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, moving on. So <laughs> I'm not wearing overalls today. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's not. Only on Wednesdays. So. <laughs> Working Wednesdays. On dress up day. On dress up day. <laughs> it's actually a staff thing. We all just wear overalls. Yeah. Oh, we all, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, let's talk about the scripture. So you read from Mark, mm-hmm. Mark 10, 35 through 45. Yep. Right. And so James and John had been arguing. Sons of Zebedee. Sons of Zebedee were arguing about who was the greatest and uh, or like who who's going to sit the right or the left, which is just place of honor. It's insane, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I, I listened to your sermon. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, we made I, the same joke. We did. We, we made the same joke. So the so James and John say, "Hey Jesus, we wanted we want you to do whatever you ask of us, mm-hmm. or w- whatever we ask of you." And I in this so on Sunday I tried to make it. I tried to make yeah, that you funny, did. and people didn't. I don't know if they did, thought I was being serious or what. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Well, I got so I'm so actually. Let me just pull this out. Uh, flipping through my Bible here. Where's Mark? Is that towards the back? Let's see here. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, okay, for so James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward and said to him, "Teacher, we want you. Uh, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you." <laughs> and at that point, I said, and Jesus said, "Hmm." Mm. I'm like crickets. Yeah. Crickets. Yeah, it was all funny. Three services. So yeah. Anyway. Oh. But yeah, so our joke that we made was that. Well, so then it says the other 10 get all indignant at him. Yeah. And we're like, so our joke was, is it because they thought, wait, we we could have, that was an option. We could have asked that. <laughs> Crap. And this is my opportunity. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Good joke. This is the trials and tribulations of preaching. Uh huh. The, the jokes that are just like, you think you're going to kill. Yeah. All of your rehearsals. Yep. And then nothing. And then nothing. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so obviously this wasn't the, so this wasn't the only time they kind of asked about this, which that's the scripture that I pulled yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was pulled in that unauthorized scripture. <laughs> from Mark 9. One chapter before. Yeah, which is couched in when Jesus says to welcome children. So it's yeah, like right before yeah. that. They right were arguing, next. they were arguing about who's the greatest. Um, so why do you think these disciples are so consumed with, with this? Yeah. So do you think they are? I don't know. I consumed is a very strong word. Okay. 
So I just think it's interesting that they bring it up quite a bit, I feel like. <laughs> so I don't know. They This whole concept of, of arguing, are they arguing between themselves who's the greatest disciple? Or, which I feel like, that's kind of mean. Well, everybody wants to be dad's favorite. I guess. I mean, it's a very human thing. Right. So I... Um, so the way I do, what, the way I dealt with that in the sermon, I don't know that I would say, I mean, I, I see where you, where you, like, I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. They're, they do seem to be overly focused on, um, rank and position and stuff like that. The way I interpreted that was that they want to know what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. So they leave everything behind to what end? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> he's going to die on a cross. Mm-hmm. Romans are going to be chasing him. Like. Why are, what exactly are we doing here? Right. Is this going to be worth it? Is this going to be worth it? Yeah. Now, to me, I even said in the sermon, I'm not being judgmental when I point out that they're asking that question because I think that's, I mean, I think ultimately we all want to know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Now, with the the benefit of 2,000 years of Christian tradition, we know that like there's an eternal <laughs> promise there and we know that our lives are, are more meaningful, they're full of purpose, more contentment, more peace as a result of our faith in Christ. But, I mean, we're asked to exchange a lot. Mm-hmm. If uh, I mean, the way I put it is if we're doing it right. Yeah. Uh, in exchange for that, that promise and that peace and comfort. So, um, yeah, I don't, to me it's not as, so much about power as in as it is, like, what is the benefit here? Mm-hmm. And the- and I'll have to say, I sometimes struggle with um, some scripture that, you know, will say, and then you'll earn your great reward or then, there, you know, and I always, sometimes that makes me cringe a little bit because I feel like s- some people are really fixated on that. And sometimes we, our motivation gets kind of messed up. So yeah, that's just my personal thing. I kind of struggle with some of those. Yeah. So maybe that's why this scripture is kind of like, oh gosh, these guys, why are they so consumed with the reward or what they're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. But it is human nature for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in verse 38, Jesus says, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And James and John say, Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We got that. Sure. No problem. Like I can just hear like, (laughs) well, of course here we are. Uh That's like, yeah, they don't get it. Yeah, they don't. So they didn't know that what they were agreeing to like at all. No, 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 no. So yeah, they, how would they? Right. Because they often, whenever Jesus would talk about rising and suffering, they were like, huh? (laughs) Right. So I just think it's funny. Like, oh, yeah, we could do all that. Like, well, you haven't got it to this point. Um, I just think they're funny. The disciples are funny. (laughs) So, I mean, there's two different ways, two different levels we need to read that on. One is, like, if we were, this is the tricky thing about interpreting scripture. So Mm -hmm. Mark's gospel wasn't written until the late 60s. Um, I mean, depend, Mark almost certainly was not there mm-hmm. taking notes, right? There was no such thing. And even if he had been there, like even if it is the one of the actual disciples who wrote it, most scholars don't think it was. But if it was, then that's still clouded by the memory of, you know, 40 years of history mm-hmm. um, or I guess 30 years, uh, 40 years of history. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's the level of what, how Mark's congregation, Mark's audience mm-hmm. is going to interpret this versus how the for, uh, the original disciples in their context, in the context of the of the text itself, would have interpreted it. So, I mean, obviously, <laughs> the, 
the disciples had no idea what was coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just we couldn't have possibly understood what was coming. The question, I think, is what, what Mark had in mind in making them kind of clueless. Because mm-hmm. different gospels portray them more or less sympathetically. Yeah. And I don't think they come across all that. Um, I mean, I, I would say Mark's on the lower, lower sympathy end of that scale. Yeah. And who was, you mentioned Mark's audience. Who, what was the primary Mark's audience? So, um, late sixties, probably to a congregation that was suffering some kind of, um, maybe not persecution. So, so much as, uh, disruption based on their social location. This is probably right or sometime around the Jewish war with the Romans, um, so, probably around the destruction of the second temple. So, um, the, one of the primary theological, oh, sorry, is that, um, one of the primary theological interests of Mark's gospel is what to do with suffering. Mm. And so, um, you know, some, some scholars called Mark's gospel and, uh, a passion narrative with an extended introduction because <laughs> really by, by this, by the part we're reading, He's really turned his attention close to the final week. Um, let's see. The anointing of Bethany's in 14, but he's already nearing the end of his ministry by the time we get to chapter 10. And there's only 16 chapters yeah. in the book. So the, the cross is a pretty significant emphasis here. And so how the disciples are making sense of Jesus' teaching is a little bit different in Mark than he is certainly in John, which is much later. So anyway, I, 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 <laughs> I tend to give the disciples have been a significant benefit of the doubt on all this because, um, you know, they don't have the luxury of <laughs> the hindsight like we have. Right. I just, not to go back, but I just think it's funny when they're like, we want to set the right and left. Like, so when people are looking at you, Jesus, we want them to be looking mm-hmm. at us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Of course. Oh my gosh. We're the sons of Zebedee. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> funny. Okay. So, Jesus obviously was a very different leader, especially like how leaders were at this time. So, I mean, how different, what, what, what was common practice for leaders of that day? Well, I mean, I think the, I think that maybe the best illustration of this is the, um, the distinctions between like the high priest and Jesus in terms of religious leadership or Pilate and Jesus mm-hmm. in terms of Holy week. I mean, it's about, power and glory and influence, if not glory, then certainly power and influence, Mm -hmm. sometimes wealth, all that kind of gets wrapped up together versus the servant leadership that Jesus exemplifies. I don't think it's much different in any era, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know, it was probably more starkly illustrated in this era where you had, uh, the vast majority of people were peasants. Poverty was much more widespread power and wealth and influence were concentrated in the hands of a very few. Mm-hmm. Although that's not our reality. I mean, certainly we have concentrations of power and wealth and influence, but not to the scale uh, that they had in the first century. So he, he arrives on the scene and he is about self-emptying. You know, he's about self-sacrifice. The whole, the verse that I read at the beginning for the son of man came not to be served, but to mm-hmm. serve. That was the opposite of what leaders did in the mm-hmm. day. Even, even Israel's only leaders. I mean, the Kings and the, and like David did not come to be served. I mean, to serve, right. he came to, you know, he was fine being served. So, um, 
anyway, that's how I would describe that. Yeah. So the disciples had grown up with leaders. And I think a lot of people probably thought the Messiah was going to come in yeah. as like this warrior or right. like, you know, and so it was right. such a kind of a shock to think, oh, wait, this is uh, God's doing something different. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I mean, there were messianic kind of leaders. Mm-hmm. And the expectation absolutely was that they were going to overthrow Rome, like in an earthly way, like kick out the invaders kind of thing. Yeah. And that ends up happening, <laughs> but not in the way they expect. No. Um, okay. So towards the end, he talks about being a servant or like a slave. So what did it, what did it really mean? Was that like, I don't want to say offensive language, but like, wait, you you want us to be like that? <laughs> so explain what being a servant or slave was. Yeah. So, you know, for Americans, our context, when we hear the word slave, we think of chattel slavery, like the, mm-hmm. the American model where you're born in slavery. You're always a slave. Um, the, and when I say the American model, what we experienced here in this country before the Civil War, mm-hmm. uh, it was a little different in the first century, not better if you were a slave necessarily, but not uh, like you were, it was very common that if you were, if your people were, were conquered, then you became a slave or some portion of your population was carried off in slavery. That wasn't necessarily a generational thing. Um, there, there also could be, uh, there was slavery related to indebtedness and, and that kind of thing. Regardless of how you got there though, to be a slave was to be without power and without voice and without um, choice. And so what in the early, in the early church, what's set up is, um, the contrast between slavery or captivity and freedom and it's spiritualized, you know? So the way Paul puts it in Romans is, uh, that you're, that every one of us is a slave to something. You can either be a slave to sin or you can be a slave to Christ. Uh, and clearly the better choice is being a slave to Christ because, Ironically, and in that kind of like in that servitude, you get your, you are freed. Mm-hmm. Like, because in, in the phrase, in the chapter, in the verse we read, he is the ransom. Ransom means the, the price that is paid to buy this, the freedom of a slave. Um, if we put our faith in him, then that is our, that is our freedom. Is that it? Does yeah. that make sense? No. Yeah. And I even think, I mean, you talked about how slave had like no voice and no power, but Jesus is one that wants to give voice to those that are oppressed and, you know, marginal, all of that. And so it's, it's different uh-huh. being a slave. Okay. Um, okay. So if we're going to model that, what does our life look like? If we're going to model being like a, I don't know if a slave, let me think if a slave has no power. I don't know when he's saying become more, I mean, does the scripture, I don't even have it in front of me yeah. say like, what does it say at the end? Um, so the son of man came not to be, so yeah, in verse 43, uh, it's not so among you, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. So it's this, so in, in Christian theology, certainly, I mean, different gospels express it different ways and Paul nuances it a slightly different way. But the idea is this theme of reversal. So if you, um, rather than craving power, you should crave service. Like this whole mm-hmm. concept of self-emptying. Um, the uh, last shall be first and the first shall be last. Like you, 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 
we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where you go to the lowest end of the table. Don't go to the highest end of the table. Choose a life of humility and self-sacrifice. In that is your freedom, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way this is, the connection this makes for us, or that we can make to our own mission statement, is that our um, our act of self-sacrifice is through service. And it is through that service that we're following the second great commandment, which is love our neighbor as ourself. When we do that, ironically, <laughs> we find our freedom in Christ. It's the grasping, the, the clinging, the choosing, you know, the chasing after glory and power and status that that's the dead end in Christian theology, even though for the world, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my, in my sermon, I talked about, you know, slaves because they had no power. Like they couldn't really think they were better than anyone else because they were, you know, at the bottom and people mm-hmm. probably told them over and over again. And so the, the mindset of when you start to think you're better than other people, um, then you, d- I feel like you don't want to serve people because you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with them mm-hmm. because I'm so much better than them. And so that mindset of like, nope, we're all, we're like all on the same page. Right. Right. <laughs> like, um, going around thinking you're superior is, is, uh, it's not a good combination, uh, or not a good way to see the world or see yourself, I right. guess. Okay. That last part, ransom for a minute, you, you did explain in your sermon, but why don't you, can you say it again? Like, what a ransom for many means or meant. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so I, I'll just do the interpretation then for, so, uh, like in the, in the most common communion liturgy that we use, it's funny. So you did communion yesterday mm-hmm. and, and as I was preaching yesterday, I couldn't remember if the specific short liturgy we use for 845 yeah. contains that captivity language. As it turns out, it does not. <laughs> um, cause I was listening very closely when you were doing the liturgy, but, um, we, we talk in the liturgy about how we are, uh, we were in captivity to sin and death and Christ freed us. That's I think in word and table one or two, mm-hmm. that's the kind of common one. Yeah. So we use an abbreviated one at the 845 service that summarizes it in a different way. But the idea is that through his incarnation, ministry, death and resurrection, Christ has freed us from sin and death and sorrow and darkness and all those other mm-hmm. kind of metaphors that we use. Um, so that he is that he, like he, it is in him that we have our freedom. So what's in it for us is that life of freedom and meaning and purpose in Christ. And then our response to that grace is to live lives of love and service. And the the connection to stewardship that I made is uh, that there are three different ways, at least three different ways that we can participate in that serving others ministry here at the church. We can pray, which seems obvious, mm-hmm. but is not, I mean, I don't know how many people have specifically the church on their morning prayer list. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that number's kind of small. Mm-hmm. And then there are particular ministries that may really resonate with you. Like there may be people for whom Volt is like just the most transformative thing or Project Hope or PALS or whatever. So praying for that ministry by name and for its leaders and for the, for the donors, for the people whose lives are touched by that ministry, I think is pretty powerful because that connects you spiritually every day with that ministry. We can also actually do the volunteering because none of that work happens without volunteers. But then our tithes and offerings help underwrite all that. I mean, sometimes I think uh, people imagine that Volt, let's say Volt costs, I don't know, whatever, X thousand dollars to go on a trip. 
So if you have an underwriter for that trip cost, then you are, in fact, fully supporting the Volt ministry. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there's also staff costs associated with maintaining that ministry. There's the building cost (laughs) where the ministry is housed. There's uh, the communications cost to get people excited about it and tell the story of it. Mm-hmm. There's insurance. That's, I mean, all these kind of nuts and bolts infrastructure costs that are affiliated with all the specific ministries that we do that, that actually underwrite the entire operation. Mm-hmm. All of that is only made possible by our ties and offerings. So, um, you know, sometimes people like to do designated giving to particular things, which is fine. But, the, but none of those things are possible <laughs> without the operation of the church. And so I think, you know, this time of year that I think probably most people intuitively know that, but it bears, it bears reminding people from Mm -hmm. time to time. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I think we forget about, um, the, I hate the unsexy part that makes things go, but Mm -hmm. like, no, like all that, all the ties, all the offerings go to all the little things that help make the actual ministry happen because I think for a long time, like, well, you don't really, you're not really a part of it or really serve unless you've like gone on a trip to somewhere and you're like, well, there's a lot of things that have to happen before right. to make those possible. And not everybody can go on those trips. Right. But everybody who, who, uh, for whose tithes and offerings go to this church are in fact making those ministries possible. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it goes both ways, both. It's both true that those ministries are not possible without our tithes and offerings. And it's true that by giving to this church, we are supporting all those ministries. And that's something we all should like be very grateful that we have the opportunity to do. And I mean, we can be proud of the fact that our church does a whole lot of transformative ministry, not just here and within our four walls in our community and in the world. Yeah. Um, I meant to say this earlier, but one thing that I really appreciate about some of the different ministries is that, I know in church planning, they call it like parachuting, like going in, but like sometimes mission organizations are like that too, where you just parachute in and then you leave. Mm -hmm. Um, but a few of our, well, a lot of ours, like it's this ongoing relationship, like house in the corner used to be like the big thing. Um, so those houses were in Douglas community, but we are still very much engaged. The men's service group, you know, and the disaster or what's the, what's the team that it involved into house and court. Oh, rebuilding faith, rebuilding team. faith mm-hmm. team. So they're still like, we haven't forgotten, like we still do things right. in the vault, obviously having these different site or sites that are still going on. I think that makes us really unique too, that we're just not doing this over here and over there and over there, but like it's this ongoing mm-hmm. long relationship. Yeah. Ministry of presence. Yeah. Everywhere. And it's huge. Um, so yeah. Okay. You kind of already said what the reward in, in serving is. You already said that. Um, <laughs> but anything else that you want us to, to know or anything on the cutting room floor from your sermon? Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, we've got a three week series and so there may, may be some stuff that I saved till week three. Oh, okay. Ooh. So that's a teaser. That is a teaser. <laughs> so make sure you come <laughs> right. this Sunday and here. It's also celebration Sunday. Yes. The day when we all bring back our pledge cards for the coming year, mm-hmm. either online or in person. Yep. Wherever everybody's comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's a big day. It's an important a big day. day. So it's going to be, it's a good day. And there's a baptism at the 11 o'clock service. So. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be a good celebration day for sure. Okay. That's all I have for you today, All right. Chris. Well, I think that's all I've got as well. So we are one more week in Mark. And then Mark gets retired for three years <laughs> until next time. He comes I don't, up in the don't you dare open Mark for three years. Okay. <laughs> in worship. It's all John, Luke and uh, 
Matthew? Is that the fourth one? Yeah, it's yeah. the fourth one. Okay. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> From here on out and for the next few years. So um, we are doing <laughs> the the scripture for the coming week is the uh, the rich man, which is woof. That's easy. Oh my goodness! <laughs> glad yeah. I don't. Glad I don't have to do that. Week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Jesus speaking. Those not us. So, yeah. Um, was it? I've got. Rich man. Is that what's that from? That's from Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof. If I were a rich man, aren't you going to sing that during children's moment? Come on, there you go. Am I am I doing children's? I don't know, but you just like to do songs. I'm yeah. I can bring it on a song. Songs and candy. That's my that's my wheelhouse when it comes to children's time. <laughs> effective yes it, it's memorable it really is effective. yeah <laughs> all right y'all we appreciate you spending time with us uh in the middle of the week as we reflect on the sermon and we look forward to being back next week with another episode of off script god bless have a terrific week thanks for joining us for this episode of off script it was hosted by reverend chris dowd and reverend reagan gilland you can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.